Thank you for listening to Pow Block Podcast, the flagship Nintendo podcast of Boss Rush Network. Do you need even more gaming and entertainment in your life? Head over to BossRush.net where you can find news, reviews, creators, podcasts, and more focused around the content you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nintendo Power Black here on Boss Rush Network. I'm your host, the Enlightened Excited Eddie V. Joining me in the building, the cool and confident Mr. Corey Derrick, Bossman himself. Hello, I'm here. Yay! Yay! It's an old school Power Block. <laughs> it is. We had some scheduling issues and we frantically tried to put a show together, and then it turns out other things fell through and i feel bad because i miss you know i miss jacob you know he's just he's just chilling at home doing his i don't know what did you see his picture on instagram <laughs> of him swimming in a pool of g fuel with an otter costume on no i didn't you gotta go check that out that should be the thumbnail of the episode but he's not here so i can't make it the thumbnail but it's pretty funny Oh, wow. Yes, everybody. It's pretty um, funny. We are kind of doing a special episode. Well, it's not uh, really special. We You have to work tomorrow, and we were supposed to record a standard F episode tonight. We're recording on Sunday tonight, by the way. We're not live. It's fine. But you had to work. You know, Galtrad, like wanted to do one but we didn't want to do one without you and then we try to scramble and it just you know life happens i guess is the term that we use here the phrase and uh here we are oh my goodness but it's just I, us i see the picture mm -hmm. it's funny oh wow it's yeah actually pretty funny yeah, some things came up, everybody. So um, that's why I say it's kind of like an old school episode. Uh, we do have topics. We do have a flow. Um, I mean, it's the same show. It's just not, you know, Dan and Jacob aren't here, and it makes me sad. That's all. Well, also, my head is super sunburned, so that also makes me sad. Should probably turn the saturation down on my screen so I look like a normal human being instead of a pasty Midwestern white person. But you're pretty fly for a white guy. Oh, mm, no. <laughs> nope. Nope. You can have that back. What? <laughs> Why you say that? I'm sending it right back to you. <laughs> Express I'm, mail. I'm, I'm suburban, though. Mm. <laughs> mixed with urban. Mm. Mm. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't realize my granddad and my grandma on my dad's side was a mixed couple. There was uh, in a uh, in a racial couple. Uh, my granddad was Caucasian and Native American, and my grandma was black. And they both met together in Mississippi, and you know, had my dad who was light skinned. Who met my mom who was dark skinned and then they had me. And then Ed's here. Yes. Here he is. Uh, 
Which is funny because, like I said, my some of the Varnells uh, came from Texas. That explains a lot. And the the males, like so I met, I haven't <laughs> met them like personally. Or I don't anything. want this to sound racist, said, but you're too dark to have family from <laughs> Texas. I, you, you know what? I I completely understand. I I completely understand. Uh, especially um, these days. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, the thing, uh, the thing I was able to find out that a lot of our nails, a lot of the males, they have a V pattern in their head. So when I I got to see some of them, um, like you know, pictures of them on Facebook and everything, and this is way like years before, and I'm still cool with them and everything. Uh, but I seen the V that I have, and I'm just like, yep, you're of our nail. Hmm. And we all connecting the dots. And one of my cousins told me how um, one of the Varnells, the white Varnells, was able to get to Mississippi, which came from my granddad and everything. I was just like, oh, wow. I didn't know that history. So, yeah. So, basically, everybody, Ed's just saying that he's white. I have some <laughs> I have some white in me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I. What else can I say? Probably a lot. I mean, we're at what two ninety four here. This is we've said a lot. <laughs> we've said a lot on this show. Plus, with all the expansion passes and the plethora of other things we've done on the internet. You know what? Side tangent. You know, the other day when I was on a Secret Friends Unite co op mode, right? And uh, yes, which I think you're going to be on this week, right? at some point yes so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was adding up how because remember todd was actually one of the original founders of nerds gone rogue the old group we used to be a part of and Mm -hmm. we were kind of talking about that i started doing math in my head during the episode you realize we've done almost probably like a thousand episodes of podcasts together in one shape or another (laughs) yes (laughs) and i'm just like oh my gosh dude a thousand episodes some of the most popular podcasts. Now, now imagine if we just kind of like focused all that energy and focused it into Power Block. How much more Nintendo we could be talking about? Oh, a lot. I mean, you kind of got to think about it. Nintendo Power Block, um, Nerds Gone Rogue, uh, Arsenal X, um, our various uh, podcasts of like of you know uh, of. Um, Boss Rush podcast and um well it's not even just uh, that you think of all the episodes that, like that small stint I was on World One One with you guys or like yeah you know optional opinion episodes or yes one offs or watch alongs or reactions or direct recap shows right like how to play like yeah. all of that God dude we are just we're what happened to us why <laughs> what what's happening to us. <laughs> We who evolved? let us do? Who let us on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> and not only, not only, <laughs> let us on the internet, but did do this much crap on the internet. We're just, oh boy. I, I think it's because going back is Nintendo Voice Chat. Just at that meeting on that forum on Facebook, and then us just chatting and. 
looking looking at each other's content and everything. And it's just like, man, because of that, look at all the things that we have done throughout the six years, six, seven years we've known each other. Like, yeah. 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 It, I mean, you know, we've had a good run. It's time to be done. Goodbye. Oh, goodness. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, man. No, we already had that discussion where we were like, hey, if uh, we better hope AI gets real smart soon, because if one of us dies, somebody has to be uploaded to the internet so we can keep the show going. <laughs> uh, Might yes. see it in our lifetime. We'll see. We was just chatting about that in, in our uh, personal like text chat. I was cracking up. <laughs> we're just like, are you going to use what I think you're going to use? He's just like, yep. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I guess man, that's movie lang. I know. <laughs> also, I realized like not all the episodes of Pow Block are up on the feed for some reason. So sometime when I'm not busy doing literally everything else, I'm going to start doing that because episode 300 is coming up, and you know that's a big deal. I think you know we've kind of talked yeah. about it, and it's been a roller coaster of sorts we'll say yeah i i i can't say you know i think that was definitely in the past i always took the forwards to doing pop i always of course world one one and optional opinion and everybody else's podcast i always look forward to that but it just again, likes to talk to people guys i do i actually do and <laughs> You know, of course, I like to talk to people about Nintendo <laughs> and, and video games in general. Um, but mostly Nintendo. But mostly Nintendo, yes. And retro uh, Japanese games. <laughs> <laughs> that only I somehow know. I was watching uh, 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 the podcast yesterday. Uh, I'm about to say Adult Swim, and it's not Adult Swim. Uh, you okay there? Yes. Ed's Ed's getting old, guys. <laughs> He's got too many too many podcast memories in his brain. Uh, I I I literally do because because even I was watching our Sega discussion that just dropped for our expansion pass. It was just like man, we got we both have a history not not just like not like. We have a history with Nintendo, but we had a we got a his, big history for Sega. Oh yeah, I mean, I was a Sega kid. I grew up with Sega. You know, I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. like I had an NES, but then I had a Genesis, and that was my 16-bit console was the Genesis. Right, and so and like like everything Super Nintendo, unless it's Turtles in Time or Turtles in Time, you know, <laughs> it's like pff, nope. Yeah, and like because of my brother, that's how I had the Sega history with me. Definitely with at arcades, I had the Sega history. Yeah, and I was just like watching, just like man, Sega, just the impact of Sega themselves. I I I think I've never felt that Nintendo and Sega was competitive because probably because I own both systems or I played on both systems, and I never had that schoolyard argument about them. You know. 
Oh, you on mute, Corey. Oh, I said must be nice. <laughs> Sorry, my son is crying. I'm trying to be as quiet as possible and oh. have it muted. Oh. But I'm not talking, so, so let's. So, uh, but yeah, uh, this is Nintendo Power Block. Is uh, it? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I feel like we both just had some kind of midlife kind of realization type thing coming about <laughs> here. I'm just like, oh my god! Well, you, you oh. brought up talking about all the work that we've done together over the years, and it's just it it has me flashing back about just all of those times. And I know we talked multiple times about this, but I'm like, it's it's such a blessing, and I'm thankful to be able to do it with you. And with other people, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I know this is probably going to come up, especially with Power Block 300 coming around the corner, like, just talking about stuff. But, like, I don't know. I've been so stressed out about a lot of stuff lately, like, with not just work, but planning two vacations and, like, getting everything together for Boss Rush stuff and Patreon and trying to figure out the best way to grow and everything. And it's just, like, it's been, like... It's really been taking its toll on me, to be 100% honest mm -hmm. with you. It's just been like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's another issue here. There's another thing here. You know, we're not starting on time because my kids are staying up later. And it's just like, not that those are those are first world, oh, my gosh, these, are, these aren't real problems, right? But, like, when we just, like, tonight, like, when we just sit and talk and relax and have a vibe and just talk like especially like we used to that stuff just kind of goes away for 90 minutes and it's like it's kind of nice you know because i'm not mm -hmm. thinking about the next thing or whatever even though i'm sitting here on my laptop trying to make thumbnails for the episodes that need to go up this week but <laughs> uh i mean you know what i mean like it's just kind of like is that remember when we used to do this and it was just like we would get together and talk about Nintendo and that would be it. We'd be done for the week or until the yes. next time we hopped online because we <laughs> would be bored because when the show first started, we tried to do two or three episodes a week and it was really <laughs> fun, but then we realized we had nothing else to talk about. So <laughs> we were like, we should probably scale this back. <laughs> so Exactly. Well, I, I think it's, once again, it's just that free flow of of a of a show you know um and yes everybody we're gonna get to our patreon producers uh are we i don't think we are <laughs> no i'm just <laughs> kidding we are but. uh but we do have uh some questions and we do have quite a, quite a bit of news uh, we're going to touch a little bit also about the indie showcase. And um, I got a good doc mode. I think me and you, Corey, are going to have a really good conversation about this doc mode. Um, and, and it's a very good, I think, I, I feel like it's a very good laid back doc mode question uh, to have. So uh, before we get into our shout outs to our producers, I know normally we'll say what we did over the weekend, but I kind of want to hop into Snack Tendo. Uh, Right now, um, so everybody, it's time for Snack Tendo, and I am going to start this one, Corey, because you're going to kind of be amazed or question my taste, like you always do. <laughs> um, so I, I went to Target, and I was just browsing about um, 
was going to have to go pick up some headphones. And I was like, you know what? I'm already here. Let me get something to eat. And I went to the small little pizza section, you know, where you could just microwave a piece of stuff. And DiGiorno's has two new uh, mini size, like, f- flavors or toppings or pieces, I should say. Um, one of them was barbecue uh, chicken. And the other one was chicken alfredo. And I was just like, oh, this is interesting. So I didn't try the barbecue one yet. I, I'm going to try that a little bit later on tonight. But I tried the chicken alfredo when I got home. And I must say, it's good. <laughs> it really tastes like chicken alfredo. So, I, of course, it's probably it's white sauce and everything. But, dude, I was just, my mouth was agape. I'm like, this is really, really good. Sadly, I didn't get no snacks or anything. They didn't really have snacks that I was looking for. And I forgot to grab my lifesaver uh, gummies. But it was really good. It literally surprised me. I'm like, ooh, uh, we need to get this at my job. But I'm going to try the barbecue one, the barbecue chicken, and report on that uh, next week. But, yeah, good for you, journals for... The uh, chicken Alfredo pizza. I gotta tell you, the last time I had DiGiorno pizza, it sucked. Like it was, it was really bad. San and I, like, like we, we, when we were like, <laughs> when I was working like not great jobs, and we were like trying to figure out how to pinch pennies and stuff. We would sometimes mm-hmm. we would get like, you know, the Aldi pizza, right? And yes, and man, one night. One night, Sana brought home a DiGiorno pizza, and we cooked it, and we just couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Because, like, underneath was, like, totally burnt, but everything on top was still, like, doughy, and cheese wasn't melted right in the middle, but it was, like, brown on the outside. And it's, like, uh, never had this problem with an oven-baked pizza before. And haven't had it since. So. Ugh. Yuck. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I I will say Jack's is Jack's Pizza though. Uh that Jack's Pizza like on a Saturday night after work because we, we do it we got sometimes a lot of 2 for 5 sales for our Jack's. Spot on. I think that's the only kind of like thin crust pizza that I do definitely enjoy when it comes to like buying buying it from a grocery store. Um and all these pieces is good too. I, shout out to Aldi with their pieces. They're shoot. When in the pitch and, and on the budget, they some good pieces to pick up. Yeah, they really are. I mean, they're they're like the best of them, big pizzas. Mama Cozy's, mm, you get that four cheese pizza mm-hmm. or the Supreme. Or what we like to do is get the four cheese pizza and buy a pack of pepperoni and just pepperoni it ourselves. Oh, it's so good. I, I need to get the Supreme. Did I get the Supreme? No, they were sold out. That's why. Um, the other one I've always wanted to try too was like there's a chicken bacon and ranch pizza that they have, but I've ooh. never gotten it because because my wife doesn't really uh, eat bacon. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we did not do that. Ooh. I would like um, to someday, but we did not. I know Friday I bought the uh, the employees at work uh, Domino's, uh, and it was good. We I actually did a full pepperoni. Um, mm. 
and then uh, did one that's like especially just for me. But I definitely did a pepperoni one for everybody, because mm. um, if because I found out that my manager, my store manager, she had to leave and go to another store, so I was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna order food since I can't leave the store. <laughs> and it was good. We had Domino's this weekend. This weekend we had Domino's last night. Nice. We had so. We got we got two pizzas because we had we had a gift card that we had that we've been sitting on, which is all mm-hmm. always makes everything taste better is when you get a gift card from someone, and then it's free. Uh, we had uh, we we got a double pepperoni pizza, mm. and then the uh, we got two pizzas. So on the other one, I got half pepperoni, bacon, and jalapeno, and my wife got. Uh, pepperoni, ham, and banana pepper. Ooh. And let me tell you, dude, let me tell you. There's something about jalapenos on pizza that just works. I love I love pepperoni, bacon, and jalapeno pizza. It's great. Mm-hmm. So good. It's very weird. I've never had it on pizza. Uh, I, I just and it, not saying that I don't I like jalapenos. Uh, I, I love the Cheetos jalapeno cheddar, which I had earlier this week, and they were delicious. I was eating that whole bag up. Um, but it's yeah, I've never had it on pizza or anything. You are missing out, sir. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, Ed. Let me tell yes. you. I love pizza but recently i find myself when i eat pizza to get kind of sick after i eat it so i have to like prepare myself mentally to be a little bit sick after i eat pizza mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where it's from it doesn't well, matter it does no it doesn't matter <clears throat> it doesn't matter where it's from after we just had that pizza no i'm saying <laughs> i'm saying I'm not. I'm saying it's not oh. Domino's pizza specifically that makes me sick. I'm saying, oh. no, it does matter where it comes from. Okay, don't give me this yeah, nasty that... Pizza Hut garbage. <sighs> don't give me this racist Papa John's pizza where they put the toppings under the pizza. I. Anyways, not having this conversation again. <laughs> uh, it just like. I have to like mentally prepare myself and be like, okay, you're going to eat this pizza and you're going to feel like complete garbage afterwards. Now, granted, it might be because I'm getting older and my stomach just can't handle garbage food anymore. Mm-hmm. But, man, Domino's Pizza is the best pizza. And I stand by it. Best low-level pizza, I'll say. Not and that's not the best pizza. But I digress. Although last week at work we had pizza from a place called Three Palms. And Ooh. it tastes just like New York style pizza. I got the spicy pepperoni. It had a really <gasps> fancy it had a really fancy name, but I don't I don't know what the fancy name is, but mm-hmm. it was some of the best pizza I've ever had. I think what they did was it tasted like they put the crushed red pepper in the sauce 
<gasps> Ooh. And then cooked it that way. That's what it tasted like to me. Did you taste the pieces in the sauce, or it's just like the flavor was actually like in the sauce? Like the flavor of it was actually in the sauce. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I don't know how they cooked it, but it was really good. And it was like, it was the closest thing to New York style pizza I've had since we went to New York. And like I said, New York style pizza has ruined all other pizza for me. So I just expect mediocrity across the board. Which I've never had New York style pizza. Yeah, well, you're stuck in deep dish hell in Chicago, so. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Hey. I think when you, if you ever come to Chicago, we're able to hang out and have food. And mm-hmm. uh, shout out to you, Grayson. You have to be our tour, <laughs> tour de force. Uh, I think you would enjoy some of the Chicago styles. I just like uh, I just like food. to give give it a hard time because there's a there's a chain. I don't know if it's like a. I don't know. It's got to be just like an east east coast to midwest type thing but it's called east of chicago pizza and their specialty is a deep dish pizza and Mm. it just does not it doesn't do anything for me it's just this thick pie crust and you put all the garbage in the middle and it's just like a it's like a literal pie i don't understand it hurts my brain to think of what a deep dish pizza is because it's just like a literal pie with garbage Mm -hmm. in the middle that's not how it works well, I think it's... And then you put the sauce on top. What is that? What is that? Come on. Come on. Because a lot of people like bite it, like to taste the sauce first before they get to the cheese that's, and everything else. No. No. That's I'm, I'm actually blasphemy. shocked. I'm actually shocked that there, there's pizza that is made that way. I, I As a kid, I literally thought pizza was crust, the tomato sauce, cheese, and, and toppings. That's how that it's supposed it. to be. That's how it's supposed to be, Ed. Every other way is wrong. But then I didn't know that the crust could could be done a different way. Like it could be tucked in. It could the deep dish way where, or it could be thin crust. Like I didn't know all of that. My my thing of pizza was pizza hut pizza, and then. Um, Thin crust pizza, like like Jack said, some some of the like family restaurants uh, or chains that they own and stuff. Like that was my vision of pizza, because um, we weren't getting Domino's, and I think until Domino's changed their um, recipe, that's when it was just like, okay, now it's Pizza Hut, Domino's, and wherever else, mm. you know. Mm. Okay. Well, Shoot, we were trying to go to a home run in because I I literally want to taste a home run in pizza from the restaurant, not the ones that I buy at the store. That's my next goal to try. Because hmm. hmm. okay. Uno's, man, Uno's was the bomb. Uno's as a restaurant. Hmm. Yeah, isn't Uno's like the chain, like the chain in that area? Because there was Uno's at the uh, airport when we were there. Yes. So yeah, hmm. but it our Uno's like left, um, and they're somewhere else. That Uno's I think became that Uno's became a Popeyes. Now mm. that's better. 
Well, there's a racing cane, like, listening across the street from the Popeye's. Oh. I'm like, oh, dang. My parents swear by raising canes, but I've never been. Good, juicy, tender chicken. Uh, Their sauce is really good, but it's nothing. I do. It's really not like, ooh, this is the best. I'm like, no. I mean, it's. They're the only kind of chicken tenders that I'll be like, yeah, I need to eat this with the sauce because if I eat it with anything else, it's not going to taste right. I I'm I love how we just turned this into Nintendo snack block. <laughs> food. Uh, oh man. I mean, I had some sushi and everything, which I need to go to my sp- uh, sushi spot and see if I could get some specialty sushi. Hmm. Mm. And I want some pot stickers. I miss Friday's pot stickers. I don't even remember thought, the last time I went to Friday's. That's you. It's been a long time. Like, if I want to go to a Friday's, I literally, now, I literally have to go to, like, Wisconsin to go to one. Because, yeah. But, man, I've missed their pot stickers. Like, uh, getting an a apple orchard and having some pot stickers with it, man, used to be the bomb. Something about their sauce that they use. Uh, to dip it best. I don't know if I've even ever had pot stickers before. I don't even know what they are. I mean, I might have, but I just don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. So maybe I just need to broaden my horizons. I guess. I think if you would you do a lot. No, you don't do Thai food, do you? Or Chinese food a lot? And it's fine. It's just. I think if you find, I think if you find a place that does pot stickers, I think you should try it. I mean, it's it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Chinese food is like okay. My my wife loves it, but like I'll like I'll eat it, but I have to be in the mood for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I try to diversify my my intake of food. So. Do you? I don't think McDonald's, Domino's, and Popeyes does not count as diversifying your palate. <laughs> don't shame me. <laughs> I, I will say. Um, so I there's a um, Smart Water Clarity. I think it just came out, um, and it's a, a green tea flavor. Man, I drunk that mug Friday. I got another one. At work, I bought my uh, one of the associates bought another one for me at work yesterday because she asked me, and I'm just like, yeah, give me the the clear the uh, smart water. So I got it for work tomorrow. Man, that's probably the best green tea uh, aftertaste that I ever had. Like I was able to drink the water, and the smart water was just it just tasted good. I don't know what it was. I'm like, ooh, this tastes really clear and really good. Um, and then that green tea just came in and it just felt like it melted my mouth. I'm like, ooh. It's like, yeah. So uh drink wise, everybody, I had water <laughs> and not Mountain Dew or wow. something. And then I had some some fudge ice cream from mm. Ben and Jerry's. We had uh we had ice cream tonight. We went to this place uh that that uh lets you kind of create your own ice cream mm-hmm. and like well i mean like you put the ice cream in and then you can tell them what kind of it's kind of like i don't know if you have like a cold stone or anything yeah it's kind of like that 
but it's it's not that. Uh, it's called Sweet Frog. It's like a local chain, and uh, got some got some chocolate ice cream with some Oreo chunks and some hot fudge. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, Ed. Let me tell you, we went all out this weekend. I didn't even say what I had for lunch slash dinner today. So <laughs> we went out. We went out this weekend for uh, Mother's Day for my mom, and uh, yeah, we went to a Mexican place, and it was just—it's delicious. I love Mexican food, man. If you want, if you want to win my heart, you buy me some Mexican food, and yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, then I will put it on where we go. You tell me what to what to get you. Uh, it's, it's very good because I know you like your burritos. I do. I enjoy good burrito. A burrito. So, so good. So good. I can't wait to come back down to Ohio to come see you. Yeah. Well, just that a, makes one just of us. Wait, what? Ah. Just kidding. Oh. So, uh, anything else, uh, Corey? <laughs> nope. Just, uh, just you know, food is delicious. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> um, are you ready to give the shout-outs to our Patreon producers? Oh, crap. No, yeah, I am. I'm just kidding. Uh, remember, you can support us on patreon patreon.com slash boss rush network for just a dollar you get the boss rush podcast and expansion expansion pass one week early you get standard definition and after dark two weeks early and for a five dollar tier subscription you get your name shouted out during our producer tier segment which is this one we would like to thank all of our $5 producer tier producer level people. I need to come up with a better thing for that, but it's fine. <laughs> Here are this episode's producers. Quentin Jackson, Rebecca Jewell, Adriel Munger, and my wife, Sana Dierig. I want to thank yes. all of our Patreon producers. I would like to thank everyone who subscribes to us on Patreon We'd like to uh, thank all of the people who listen to us on free feeds as well. You know, all of our content is made for free. If you subscribe on Patreon, you get a few perks. That's it. Yes. That is it. Well, Corey, it's time for Question Block. Uh, It sure is. It's a low-key Sunday question block. (laughs) A low-key Sunday question block. Okay. Uh, dude, I I went walking it rain today, and I just I had my hoodie on, I had my chill hop going, and I'm just like it's such just a relaxing, lucky kind of day. Hmm. Maybe it's just me, you know. Of course, I'm enlightened, I'm excited, but sometimes there are, there's going to be moments and episodes where you know it's just laid back, just good having a chat, having a talk. Yeah. We, we we do do that sometimes. <laughs> yes. All right. So, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Did someone really write in named Mountain Drew? Yes. What? 
He is one of my friends from Twitter. Oh, my uh, goodness gracious. Yes. I wish I had a cool name. You do have a cool name. Anyway, should we should we answer some questions, Ed? By the yes. way, I haven't been taking producer notes either. I haven't been taking any timestamps. It's all right. I can fix it tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> uh, all right. So, question block. Remember, you can tweet at the show at pal at Pal Podcast. You can email us at nintendopalblock at gmail You can, you know, DM us whenever. Look for our question post during the week, or you can just tweet at us without finding it. It's fine. It's all fine. Get it to us. Uh, so, our first question is from Mountain Drew. He says, in your opinion, will Breath of the Wild 2 have the same impact that the first one had, and you expect it to have some elements from past games? I have thoughts, so, Ed, but I'm going to let you go first. Okay, so I'm going to answer the first question. Um Yes, it will have the same impact, and I think it's going to go above and beyond the impact. I think uh, with Anuma and the team and those young creators, you know, of course they're doing the sky and probably changing up the world map. I think they're they're going to be doing something different that's going to be like that's going to really make you pay attention to it, where people probably are going to move from Breath of the Wild to Breath of the Wild 2 where they're playing it for years and showing what they're discovering and finding and just making you realize that okay, you guys took the front of open world games and made us really care about it. Now you took it to another level. And and I know this is going to sound kind of crazy, but um, I think it's going to separate itself from like any Elder Ring uh, uh, comparisons GTA or any other open world I think it's going to do enough and or probably even do a lot that's going to have us re-examine why why the open world genre for Zelda fits and why it's redefining it you know, and so that impact is going to be like, okay, now I know why y'all delayed. Now I know why this is incorporated in. Now I know why, yeah, the story matters and stuff like that. But what you, these gameplay ideas that you implemented and or and improved of, and maybe even feels creative and new, this is going to be, this is going to have us look like they did it again. That all the, all that time, all that delay, all that work that Monolith Soft put in with the team, all of it just is going to be impactful. I I feel like it's going to be another. It, it may not. I'm not talking about Metacritic rise. It may not hit the same as Breath of the Wild just yet until we see the game. But I think it's really going to get us talking throughout that whole year about that game. No, ma- no matter what platform that you play on or are familiar with, this is going to be the game everyone continues to talk talk about. Okay. I have thoughts. Will it have as big of an impact as Breath of the Wild? My answer is no. It will not. But, but what I do think is that it's going to build on... Because Breath of the Wild had such a 
it changed the way we thought of Zelda. And it mm-hmm. changed the way we thought of Nintendo in terms of creating a brand new experience out of their existing IPs, right? It's still it's still the standard of like I think it's even bigger. Oh my gosh, why is my nose so ready? Sorry. It even it's even bigger than when Zelda made the jump from 2D to 3D because even when you're playing Ocarina of Time, right? You could see, okay, well, they, they just kind of turned Link to the Past into a 3D game, right? Like, in terms mm-hmm. of gameplay and style, right? You still have to go to the dungeon to get, you know, get the item, to use the item to defeat the boss, right? Whereas Breath of the Wild, it changed everything. It changed everything that you thought of about Zelda. Whether people like that or not, like, there's a lot of whatever out there, right? Sorry, my son is crying in the background. Um you know but it's like breath of the wild 2 or whatever they decide to call it we know the basic concept of that game right we've played Mm -hmm. it. it's called breath of the wild they're gonna what they're gonna do is build on that foundation and they're gonna change some things that you know okay maybe people didn't like this maybe or what i hope for is like a crafting system um Hold on. He's so loud. Well, I I think with... So when I think of impact, I'm thinking about kind of like the climbing ability, how people wish every game had implemented where you could just climb anywhere. Yes, the stamina bar give or take but realizing what they were trying to go for trying to place that kind of real realism with a little bit of fantasy and science um in it i think that's the kind of impact i'm somewhat kind of thinking of in a sense um where it's going to feel like if i do this and get this result these results could come actually maybe conclude in different ways that I didn't expect. Um, and definitely when uh, we see how the time mechanic is played into this game, um, you know, because it's it, it's going to be very interesting how this game, um, how this game kind of try, tries to be, yes, it is a sequel, but it's a sequel that stands on its own. So that if we need to talk about the Zelda franchise, Breath of the Wild, we could talk about that on its own. If we talk about Breath of the Wild 2, we could talk about that on its own also. Breath of the Wild had such a huge weight on its shoulders, right? It It was one of the most anticipated games for the Wii U, right? And mm-hmm. it came out at the tail end, but also it was launching a new system. And as great as we all think the Switch is now, everybody was so down on Nintendo at that time that this game literally had to carry a brand new system, which yes, it did, right? And it changed the way we thought of Zelda. It really did. It had to not only carry a brand new system, it had to satiate the people who bought a Wii U. It had to extinguish the bad taste people had in their mouths from Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess. Uh, 
and it just had a lot that it needed to do to recover people's love for Zelda. Now, granted, I know people love Skyward Sword, and I know people love Twilight Princess, right? I'm one of those people who loves Twilight Princess. Uh, but a majority of the gaming public, or whatever you want to call them, don't like those games. And Breath of the Wild had to change their minds on what Zelda is, right? And it did. Now, granted, it was missing dungeons, and it was missing, you know, proper, quote-unquote, old-style Zelda things where you had to go get the item to fight the thing, but, like, it gave us this really amazing open world, and it gave us this cool uh, shrine system, and it gave us, you know, so many cool things to explore and find, and... The memories, the way it told a story, it gave us voice acting for his first time. It did so much that its sequel could never have the same impact that Breath of the Wild did, right? It just, it just mm-hmm. can't. <clears throat> but what it can do is build on that foundation. It can build on what made Breath of the Wild special. And it can start bringing back some of these things that people missed, like proper dungeons that was one of my biggest critiques of the game is like the divine beasts were cool they were interesting puzzles but they were essentially just giant shrines and i miss the classic zelda dungeons now granted my solution to this it i don't i don't need the like oh well you need the boomerang to finish this dungeon so let's go find the boomerang in the dungeon to finish the dungeon right i don't need that Mm. but uh, one of the other biggest critiques of Breath of the Wild was the breakable weapons. <clears throat> My thought was, you don't have to do the dungeons, but the dungeons give you a an unbreakable version of a weapon, right? An unbreakable boomerang, an unbreakable, I don't know, hookshot. I'm sure the hookshot will be introduced in this game because that's something that was missing. Uh, you know, just like unbreakable versions of these weapons. Mm-hmm. which I also think they need to bring crafting in because I think that would be a great concept for this game as well. But, uh, you know, new moves, like we saw him kind of morphing himself through a rock, <laughs> you know, underneath a rock and morphing up to the surface, right? Yes. Uh, so, I don't know. I think there's a lot of cool things this game could do. We've had a lot of conversations about this, but now we've we kind of have more footage that we can kind of speculate on things, right? where the Master Sword is, like, melting away in that one footage shot that they showed us, right? And yes, that kind of changes some things that I was thinking, but, uh, you know, we can talk about that on an expansion pass or something. But I can it have the same impact that Breath of the Wild did? No. But it can have a different type of impact and deliver a sequel that's going to make Breath of the Wild, <laughs> honestly, look like... Uh, not ancient, but, you know, it's like, oh, man, I can't believe we thought that was the greatest game of all time. You know what I mean? It yeah. can definitely have that style of, of impact. I, I was just thinking while you were speaking about how Link Between Worlds kind of pushed the Zelda formula. I mean, it yes, it mm-hmm. still had the dungeons, but you got to choose the dungeons. And you got to, at, at a point, rip weapons and then buy them, you know. And I think mm-hmm. it was just like 
I don't I really don't know. I'm like, is this the experiment that Nintendo is trying to go for with the Anuma and the team trying to go for before they jump into Breath of the Wild? Because uh, I know they, I, we we know that they, you know, kind of made like a dummy Zelda game so they could play around and get a good idea of it. But like Link Between Worlds was kind of impactful in the sense because it was something definitely new for the Zelda franchise. Like, and you, it's it's one of the 3DS games that beat out a whole bunch of other titles in one game of the year for a lot of people, for a lot of magazines. Um, and I mean, it's I still think the most notable it. one was GameSpot that year, right? I mean, yeah. that was like the big thing was GameSpot gave a 3DS game at the game of the year, which was like yeah. unheard of, even though the 3DS has a lot of great games. Like, you know, that game did something, did something, you know? Yeah, and I think that that was kind of the... Uh, introduction of pushing the Zelda games because I think that's one of the things that they always try to do they try to push the franchise forward they're trying to put in new ideas new gameplays um have a familiar something familiar with the traditions but also make sure that you know it's just not a rehash Mm -hmm. um and everything because I think at a point in time people did have a scenario just like well what if Zelda didn't have no dungeons well you got that and then some people didn't enjoy it and I think it's because the how you look at their dungeon design would be up to every individual um but that dungeon design those dungeons have been ingrained not only in the Zelda franchise but to those players so whether you think it's cool or not having it taken i think having stuff taken away with from you from a series that's been like so familiar and ingrained and everything it really changes the whole like perspective of it and you kind of and you kind of be like how do i adjust to this or can i ever adjust to it Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah no i i i think Breath of the Wild 2 is going to do something really unique and really special, and uh, I just hope people really enjoy what they're... I I hope people understand that it's never going to be classic Zelda again, for better or for Mm -hmm. worse, right? Like, I think think that's what remakes and remasters are going to service, you know, like the rumored Twilight Princess and Wind Waker remaster that's supposedly coming out this year. Yes. Uh, which started up again as soon as uh, Breath of the Wild got pushed. Uh, which, with all these games getting pushed out of 2022, I think that would be a great thing to have in October with nothing coming except for Gotham Knights, which people have opinions on. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Which, man, Gotham Knights, literally this year, dude, it really is just. Got the Knights, Hogwarts, and for Spoken. Yeah. Like those are the only like three big triple A titles that we know of coming this fall. Mm-hmm. So I mean, nope. it's it's. I mean, Nintendo. We kind of talked about this already on Expansion Pass, but Nintendo is mm-hmm. probably going to own this fall, except for like Call of Duty and uh, you know a new season of of Destiny and whatever battlefield battle 
whatever they decide to put out. Uh, I don't even know if they're doing Battlefield. No, this year. I know, I know, it's not a Battlefield, but I know that I know that Respawn is working on a first-person Star Wars game. I know that we haven't had a Battlefront in a while, and I know that mm-hmm. EA is gonna, or at, uh, I think next weekend is D twenty three, which they're probably gonna announce the new Jedi Fallen Order sequel, and other Star Wars pro- projects. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, other Disney games. Hopefully, we'll get an Epic Mickey remaster on Switch, which is another rumor. Which is I'm that really all excited? Is that just for all Disney stuff that's coming? In the yeah, future? it's like they're. It's like it's like Disney's Nintendo Direct, but like it's like a whole weekend convention of Disney announcements and Star Wars and Marvel uh, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So okay, uh, yeah, they do it every year. Every other year it's in America, and every other year it's in either, like, London or, you know, some other country, so. Okay. Well, uh, well, Corey, Corey, um, you expected (coughs) to have some elements from past games. I mentioned mentioned Link Between Worlds. I think they'll have Rentable. I think there'll be weapons that if you go to certain towns or you find a town, they may have, like, a special uh, weapon that you can rent. Or something, or maybe you could buy like a broken down sword and or a weapon and do crafting if they want to include crafting. You could build it up to where you're able to keep it and stuff. Um, but I think the rentable weapons would kind of be a cool idea that they that they implement. Um, I, yeah. I, you know what? I kind of would love for them to actually put martial arts in this. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I could see different types of uh, combat styles based off concept art that came out, you know, because they had that, like, they had that steampunk version of Link. They had that, mm-hmm. like, kind of technolo- technological world that they were kind of playing around with at some point, which, honestly, I think the Guardian Arrows and the Guardian stuff kind of spawned out of. Uh, I mean, they could play with around with some Twilight stuff because we've seen influences of twilight princess in there they have a lot so we'll see yeah so uh, uh oh we have another question we have another yeah, question thank you much drew for that yeah mountain drew thanks friend anyways we have another question uh this comes from christian s he says what is your favorite mario sports game uh mario golf Toadstool Tour is the best sports game. Uh, for me, it's Super Sluggers. Mm. I, I Gosh, you guys in this game. baseball game. <laughs> I I love Super Sluggers. I had so much fun uh, with it. Um, just like definitely, it's just the way that it just continued to sell years after that game came out. Like even when the Wii U was out, dude, that game was selling at fifty dollars a pop. I guess, but man, <laughs> it's fine. You know, yeah, because because I think Mario Kart, I still consider that as a sports game. It's not a sports it's... game. I mean, it's racing, but I. I mean, I, that's why I said I, I would, I would consider it. I don't know about anybody else, but I would. Mm. But like for me, I, Super Stuggers was definitely one of my faves. I definitely enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I mean, it it was fun. 
I I just I really like Toadstool Tour. It had I think it had the most creative golfing maps, and it had a really great mm-hmm. mini golf mode, which I'm always a sucker for mini golf. So uh, yeah, that's just me though. Yes. Um. One thing about Christian, uh, he's the co-host of the French Fries Festival podcast. So you guys should check him out at festival uh, dot com. Um, they do a great job. So uh, about gays and history. So check them out. Uh, there. Um, and you can follow them at franchise underscore fest. Uh, so shout out to you, Christian. Uh, wanted to make sure uh, I give you that plug because he does participate in a lot of the Nintendo uh, and Boss Rush uh, content that we post. So shout out to him. Hmm. Um, so, but with that, everybody, uh, Corey, should we get jump into Femi news or? I I guess I guess so. I guess we should do that, huh? Okay. Well, everybody, it's time for Femi news. Uh. I guess I got family news. I guess I guess you do, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we got a couple of stories for you guys. Um, Zelda Twilight Princess HD Dev would love to bring the game to Switch, and this is coming from Nintendo Life. So shout out to them. Uh, the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild 2 will no longer be released this year on Nintendo Switch, and this left Zelda fans with nothing to really look forward to in 2022. One rumor is when Worker and Twilight Princess will fill the space. Interestingly, though, if they are getting released on the Switch. On the Switch, Tantalus, the team that originally worked on Nintendo on Twilight Princess HD for the Wii U, supposedly hasn't been asked. In a new episode of the Fragments of Silicon podcast, Tantalus CEO Tom Crago was asked if Nintendo had reached out to the Australian-based developer about Twilight Princess HD for Switch. And he responded said, no, and look, we obviously love to do that, uh, Zelda Twilight Princess HD, but that hasn't been a priority for Nintendo, or at least not in conversations that they have with us. The way it works with our friends over there is we'll jump at any opportunity we can to work on one of their titles. There's a constant dialogue between our two companies. Often there's a little bit of time that passes between titles, and there might be other ideas that are kicked around, but in the case of Skyward Sword, some time passed and then their email comes. Would you be interested in considering bringing Skyward Sword to on to Switch? To which the answer is, of course, yes, we would. And then we enter into the conversations with Nintendo around what might look like and eventually we get underway. So it was similar in a lot of lot of sense in terms of how Twilight Princess on Wii U came to fruition. As noted in this exchange, Tesla's most recently worked on the Switch version of The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. So, uh, if they are working on a new project or something for Nintendo, uh, uh, it, it may not be Twilight Princess HD, but it might be something. So, why would Nintendo pay a developer like Tantalus to just simply port a game over, right? Like, why would mm-hmm. they pay a developer who's so great at remastering and adding some things to games, right? Like Final Fantasy X HD, right, was such a great version of that game that Tantalus did, right? And uh, why would you why would you pay them to do that? Why? I mean, who's porting all these Wii U games over in the first place? You know. Who's porting Pikmin 3? Who's porting Mario 3D World? Who's porting uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions? You know, there's so many great Wii U games that have been ported over already. Why would you waste that 
talent at Tantalus to do just simple port. I think what you need to do is say, hey, you know, we would like you to remaster one of our other games. I think that Nintendo can do this in-house and pretty quickly, right? And the rumor is it's already done. It's just shelved to fit into a space where they can, you know, if they need it, you know, if they have a lull in releases, they can kind of shove it out and do that, right? Mm-hmm. They, they don't have many games left to do that, but that's one of them that, that or two of them that they could possibly do and say, hey, look, we're putting these games out for Switch. They're already, they're ready to go. You can buy them, you can play them, whatever. I don't think you need to waste Tantalus's time or waste Nintendo's money on them to port the game when you can do it in-house. I think that's just kind of silly, to be honest. I, I think with Nintendo, I think that business-wise, it uh, they it opens up hands for people, for, for their devs that's already in the company to make this game. So if they can outsource it where they don't have to really worry, and they kind of seeing Tesla's work, They'd be like, okay, we trust you guys to do what you need to do. We'll come in and check, and if there's stuff that needs to be fixed, uh, we could fix and work it out. You know, I think it frees up the devs. So I think that's why Nintendo will talk to them uh, in order to do it. I think it's just a freeing up the devs so that their own developers within the Nintendo uh, first parties um, could work on games that are coming soon to the platform, or that's like probably in final production just ready for it to be announced um and and everything because i think they probably just like we don't want to take anyone away from uh the like the zelda team or anyone to work on something that you know is that we would love to bring out love to use it as a field gap game um but because most of the work we could probably outsource it and they know their work and everything, bam, we could just do it that way. And they wouldn't have to worry about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, look, I would love I, I think Tantalus does great work. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they are a better studio than just porting a game they've already ported over to a console once before. Right. I mean, yes. Twilight Princess, they redid a lot of the models. They redid a lot of the assets to make it look prettier and up to date. They did a lot of, you know, kind of streamlining quests and stuff. So, I mean, they did a lot of great work to that game. I would hate to see that talent be wasted on a simple port of that game, you know? Yeah. So. If, they're going to, if they're going to do it, put in some work. Yeah. Well, they already put like, in the work. That's, really, like, that's the really... thing. Like, that game mm-hmm. already had a lot of work done to it, so they don't need to do it. That's the thing. They already put the work in. The the the, the best way to play Twilight Princess right now is on the Wii U. And Wii U, yeah. Man. By the way, did you see that Jesse got a Wii U for like forty bucks or something at a rummage sale? So he called me Saturday about it. He was just like, dude, did you look at my Twitter? I'm like, no, I, I I'm like, I haven't been on Twitter, I've been walking. He called me while I was driving. He's just like, yeah, I got a Wii U for 40 bucks uh, and with some stuff. And I screened out a big old yes. So he went out to go get some, find, look for some games and everything for it. Oh, and I was man. just like, I'm so happy for you. Yay. I mean, Wii U games are pretty cheap right now. He could probably 
get some pretty decent ones. Um, yeah. Because I'm also looking for Wii U games just to have in my collection. So, uh, <laughs> which is funny because every <laughs> I finally put my Wii U games in the cabinet back there. And uh, I have more Wii U games than I do original Xbox 360, Xbox One, and, and Xbox Series physical games. I have more <laughs> Wii U games than all those consoles combined. Oh, um, wow. It was funny. It was it gave me a good laugh. Uh, although I did, I know I traded in a lot of games to go all digital on Xbox, but I kept a few. Uh, so, man, Wii U, great console. Everybody should own a Wii U. You yes. all missed out. Guess what? You missed out. Okay, you missed out, but not really, because all of the best games are on the Switch except for two of the three best Zelda games, and the best Xenoblade game. Yes. Well, we're going to move on uh, quickly to a Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl reveals two new characters. Um, they're going to have Ginny Wegman from My Life as a Teenage Robot, Hugh Norton from Jimmy Neutron, I mean Hugh Neutron, I'm sorry, from Jimmy Neutron, and Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, Jenny is available now, and you guys can check her out. Uh, she has uh, alternative, uh, alternative skin and a move set. And my thing was, this game is still available to play. <laughs> like, uh, and I told you, <laughs> yes, it's very popular, but we don't talk about it because we're not 12 years old. <laughs> Look, I looked at that entire list, and besides the Ninja Turtles, I think the only characters I remember was uh, Powder Toast Man from Ren and Stimpy, and oh, yeah. they had Rocco's Modern Life in there, right? And obviously, like, SpongeBob and stuff, but, like, I wasn't a huge Nickelodeon person, but, like, I didn't recognize any of those characters. I mean, I recognized them. It, it kind of got me wondering, just, like... Why is this game not that evil or anything? Like because I, I, they didn't put any effort into that game. That's the thing. <laughs> from everything I've heard, no, from everything I've heard was like, okay, well, they want to make a Smash game, but they didn't give it any budget. They kind of rushed it out. This is this is from what I've heard from people who worked on the game on various podcasts and on Twitter and stuff. And there's no voice acting, which totally kills that game, right? Because like. Mm -hmm. SpongeBob has some iconic voice acting. The Ninja Turtles have some very iconic voice acting. Rocco is going to have, you know, it, it, you just like these characters are so animated, but be, they're so popular because they have a unique voice, right? And if you don't yeah. give them their voices, right? It's like it's like Power Rangers. Like, don't get me wrong, that game was fun, but they had no voice acting. But when they added voice acting, so many more people started talking about that game because they're like, oh, Tommy's in it. Oh, you know, uh, the guy that plays Zack is in it. You know, people from, uh, you know, the Super Turbo Pooper Rangers are in there. I don't know. I, there, <laughs> there's so many versions of Power Rangers that I don't even remember. But, like, they're adding they're adding uh, Power Rangers from the original movie now. And it's like, man, people are so psyched for that. And I'm like, man, part of me want it's like – it's the Injustice problem. Where, like, the mm -hmm. only reason I bought Injustice was to play as the, nin the Ninja Turtles for 15 minutes. And guess what? It was fun. But I don't care about Injustice, you know? But now, like, the Power Rangers thing, I'm like, I love Power Rangers, but 
do I love it enough to buy a fighting game that I will play maybe once? No. No, but I still want to buy it. (laughs) (laughs) In other words, we're waiting for a good discount sale. Uh, Like a deep discount sale. But the the thing is, is Power Rangers on sale all the time on Switch. It's on sale all the time. It's like... We're waiting for the Mortal Kombat 11, 1499 kind of sale. I I gotta tell you, dude. Side tangent here. Roll with me for a minute. There, there are games on sale, literally every two or three weeks, and they're on sale for three weeks, and then they're not on sale for one week. Why don't you just lower the price of the game? And are you hoping that you catch someone on an off week, and you're like, and they pay sixty dollars for Lego Harry Potter collection, and then the next week it'll be nine dollars? Like, come on. Can we say hello to the Ubisoft uh, Assassin's Creed oh games? Oh my gosh, dude, those games are on sale all the time, too. All the Ubisoft games are on sale all the time. By the way, Assassin's Creed 2, not great. I've been playing it on Switch. Not great. Also, I'm very into Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now, and it makes all those games feel ancient. <laughs> Anyways, conti- let's, let's continue. Did yes, not mean yes. to jump ahead to playing with power, everybody. Yes, uh, but uh, we're going to really move on because, um, goodness, I feel like that same thing's going to happen <laughs> to that WB fighting game when it comes out. Well, that is a free-to-play game, Ed, so you will not be paying any money for it. <laughs> I don't think I will be doing any kind of download about that game, neither. So. You mean you don't want to play as LeBron James fighting Batman, fighting Bugs Bunny, fighting uh, Game of Thrones person? No. Yeah, me neither. I don't care about them. So, uh, we're we're going to move on. Uh, Reggie doesn't seem to think Nintendo has abandoned F-Zero, says there's still hope. Uh, One series we're sure many Nintendo fans would love to see make a return is the F-Zero. Um, although Nintendo 64, although the Nintendo 64 version got a re-release in March via the Switch Online service, there hasn't been a new entry in the futuristic racing series since the 2004 Game Boy Advance title F-Zero Climax. So, will this classic Nintendo series ever make a return? Former Nintendo of America president Reggie Fils-Aimé, who is currently busy promoting his new book Disrupt- Disrupting the Game, was asked by GamesBeat why F-Zero was abandoned by Nintendo. The way Reggie sees it, at least based on his own history with the company, is that it's never a cautious decision made by Nintendo to, to stop supporting certain series. It, it's actually just experimenting with new and different gameplay styles and how they could be applied to either new or existing series. He seems to think there's a good chance that someone within Nintendo's HQ could be experimenting with the idea that could be a good fit for a future F-Zero game. So... Uh, sure. No, here's the thing. I think, I think F-Zero should be, I think whatever Nintendo does next, right? Whether it's a Switch Pro or I, no, scratch that. Whatever their next console is, better be backwards compatible Switch. But we kind of talked about this on an expansion pass that's not out yet, but, uh, Whatever Nintendo's next thing is, they need two. If they need two or three first-party launch games, they need the party mm-hmm. game like Wii Sports or whatever, right? Which they're gonna have. They need a Mario or a Zelda game, which 
at this point, I think whatever the follow-up to Mario Odyssey is, is going to be a launch game for their next system. I think that I think they're holding it for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and third, I think they need F-Zero. I think F-Zero would be a killer launch game. Yes. Because I think, I think the fan base, the most excited fan base for F-Zero are hardcore Nintendo fans, right? Yes. Not a lot of people outside the hardcore Nintendo fan base knows what F-Zero is. But you want to grab the people who want to buy your console right away. F-Zero is a game that you launch next to a Mario game. And if people go and buy all three launch games, right? Let's say... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I think F-Zero is a perfect franchise to have as a launch title. Because what like right now... Yeah, okay, everybody's excited for every single Nintendo game that comes out, and I'm sure F-Zero would do really well right now if you put it out because the Switch is so popular. But yes, I think F-Zero is a game that will get overshadowed quickly. And you, I think you need to give it a prime platform for it to succeed, and what better way than to launch a console with it? I mean, look how, fa- the- look, how, look how well fast RMX did at the Switch yes. launch, right? That's that's the game that I keep pointing to. Is like that game sold two million units. Fast RMX sold two million units. Yeah, like it's a it's a phenomenal game. Yeah, and they pitched it as an F Zero game. Remember when it was Fast Racing Neo or something on the Wii yeah. U? Like they pitched Nintendo on it. They're like, hey, we we know you're not really doing an F Zero game right now. Can we do one? Here's our pitch for it. And Nintendo declined, so they made their own. But like, that was the pitch. Yeah. And two million units. If you slap F Zero on there and it's published by Nintendo, like, you're gonna sell at least a million copies. Yeah, and I think you mentioned the Nintendo crowd buying it. I'm just like, shoot, at the Wipeout community, because the Wipeout community don't. Some of the Wipeout community was born from F Zero. And the, that series hasn't had any games out in a while. So not only would you be able to, not only would you sell some great launch games, you're going to sell people on the system so they could play that F-Zero game. They're going to shell out that money. Or if they, even if they feel like they were going to get the game later, they're going to go and shell out that money for that physical. At, for launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think... I, th- I just think that F-Zero, requ- even though I think it would do well, especially in the Switch ecosystem right now, mm-hmm. I think that's a game you need to be very careful on when and how you put it out. Because yes. it's not as popular as, say, I don't know, Mario Kart that sold almost 50 million units on the Switch alone. Yes. And I, I, I don't think F-Zero is trying to take Mario Kart's money at all. No, I, think I don't. Just like... I don't either. I think it's a different type of racing game. Yes, which is also why you need to be careful on how and where you market that game. Again, yeah. why I think it is a perfect launch game because the most of the people who are buying your new system are the hardcore Nintendo faithful mm-hmm. who want that F Zero experience. Also, it's a good kind of like stopgap while you're waiting on Mario Kart 9 if we ever get one. <laughs> right. I mean, not not going to Metro franchise, but a Metro Dread came out and look at the numbers that it did. 
I I know, but I mean, like I'm saying though, like I I don't think I don't think that F Zero is as popular as Metroid. Yeah, true, um, but it has it has the potential to hit at least they at least pass a million sales at least to get Nintendo interest. Be like, oh, you guys really did want one because it's selling this and it's on a consistent sale base. Yeah, you know. There are some Nintendo games that is still on the NPD from its release that's mm-hmm. doing numbers. And F-Zero has that chance to consistently be on that list. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. So I agree with you, Corey. Yeah. Great answer. Perfect. <laughs> we can move on to our last. <laughs> what is Sorry, what man. is this? Uh, uh, family Feud? Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. Gosh, dude! Sometimes I get stuck on on Instagram the Instagram stories, and there's like a whole thread of Family Feud ones of just Steve Harvey reacting to answers. Uh, So funny! I love Steve Harvey. (laughs) I don't care what anybody says about him; he's hilarious. Uh, Well, everybody, uh, for our last story, uh, Kirby sixty four the Crystal Shard is coming to Nintendo Switch Online this week. Uh, You guys will be able to play it on May twentieth. Um, Nintendo tweeted out inhale enemies to combine their abilities in Kirby's adventure beyond Dreamland. Dozens of puffed up special powers await you in Kirby 64 the Crystal Shards floating onto Nintendo Switch for Nintendo Switch Online and plus expansion pack members on May 20th. I've never got to play this game so I'm excited to jump in and play it. And you know what Ed? I'm excited for you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um Japan is getting custom Robo, so that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I I I'm excited to play Kirby sixty four. I like I said, I never got to play, and I do enjoy the Kirby series. Um, so you're not gonna? Would you try it? Out? Did you ever play? Get a chance to play Corey or see it in action or anything? I mean, I had it on the Wii Virtual Console, and it was. Okay, um, I mean, it, it, I don't know. I, I'm just not. I'm just not a Kirby guy, man. You know, I'm. I'm just not. And That's fine. I I feel bad sometimes when I say that, but then other times I'm like, I don't have to like everything, you know, just because a fan base wants us to love everything. Because like, I don't love everything that Nintendo does, and I think, I think that's why we. You, you and I have worked for so long is because mm-hmm. you're the you're the eternal optimist and you're the fanboy and I'm just kind of like the realist, you know. <laughs> I just like I I can't. It's not for me. I might try it out so we can talk about it the next time something mm-hmm. happens, but uh oh, good news though. By the way, got me one of them N64 controllers. Yay! So and that's were, why I've been waiting on playing go. Nintendo. That's why I've been waiting on playing Nintendo sixty four games, is because I wanted the controller because they don't feel right playing them any other way. Just like any like, we'll get we'll get into this with playing with power because I have a lot to say about some things. But <laughs> I might try it out with when I get my Nintendo sixty four controller. Okay. 
Well, everybody, that has been Femi News. Okay, and so before we quickly get into Doc Mo, uh, Nintendo had their Indie World Showcase on May 11th, and we're we're just gonna quickly run through some games and talk about them. Um, you could go to BossRush.net and get the recap if you guys missed the show. Um, there are trailers. Uh, a little description for them. Um, some of these games are out, and some of the games are coming uh, this summer and this fall, and some are coming later this year. Um, some are ports, and some are like kind of brand new games. Um, so uh, we're just gonna run down quickly. Uh, we're not gonna go through everything. Um, so the games that are out is a game called Soundfall. Many Motorways, Gibbon, Beyond the Trees, Opus, Echo, or Star Song Full Bloom Edition. Um, and those are just the ones that's available now. Uh, Corey, did you ever did you get a, che- a chance to check out any of the trailers and stuff? I know Soundfall, a lot of people have definitely been enjoying. I mean, sound, Soundfall looks like the game that I would be the most interested in. It kind of reminds me of like Hyperlight Drifter meets uh, Crypt of the Necro Dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, <laughs> again, like these, I, I am at that point in my life where I just want something simple, and like <laughs> I, I talked about this on the Boss Rush podcast last week, which is the one that goes up on free feeds this Friday, and. I am just not the indie guy. I try, and there's certain ones that I do love, right? Like Axiom Verge and Hyper Light Drifter and Shovel Knight and, you know, Ukulele and a few others. But there are just, there are too many experiments out there. And I'm kind of like a little tired of the pixel art thing. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I, I know I'm not giving these games enough credit. And that's fine. There are enough people on boss rush stuff that love these games and that's who these games are for again it goes back to where i just don't feel the need i need to love everything anymore you know where i Mm -hmm. i tried for so long to just make myself like things and it just didn't work and so i'm just at that point where if i don't see something that totally grabs me i'm just not gonna even try you know, I, I think there's a level of appreciation. Like oh, you could appreciate it. I'm not it saying I'm then... not. I don't appreciate it. I'm just I'm not gonna play them. You know, I think Soundfall mm-hmm. is definitely the most interesting of this of these games, right? Yeah. But like, where was Sea of Stars? That's the big indie game that I have circled right now. Where was Sea of Stars? Where was uh, what's that Hollow Knight? Silk song. Silk song that everybody wants, right? Like, where are those big indie games? Like, I get it. Ooblets has been in, in early access for, like, two years, right? Everybody was yes. excited for that. Um, you know, uh, uh, what's that game? Uh, Soundfall looks interesting, but I'm not a rhythm person, you know? It's just, mm-hmm. where are the big games we know about? <laughs> I was half expecting a uh uh Mina uh the the new yacht club game. 
Uh, oh, with yeah. the mouse, I Mina don't... the yeah. something, right? Like, yeah. I was half expecting to see that, which I'm excited for, but also not as exciting as a Shovel Knight 2 would have been. Sorry, Yacht Club. I love Yacht Club games. I love Cyber Shadow. I love everything Shovel Knight that you've put out so far, but like, mm. I don't, I don't want to play a Game Boy game. I played Game Boy for 15 years. I want something new and interesting, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not that guy. I'm, I want to be, you know, like I, I want to be interested in these games. I do. I really do. Everybody who's gonna DM me or tweet at me after this episode goes live, I promise. I really do want to help. I want to be supportive of these things. But I, I'm not going to be, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think the thing about it is that with this indie direct, I think with their indie directs in general, it's just like they want to promote new titles mm-hmm. instead of just doing follow up. So I, if and yes, I get that, you know, I, I really get that. But. So, uh, well, we're gonna go on with Weber Strand. Uh, it's releasing on July twenty first. It's a great artwork with this one. Um, it's a heartfelt interactive story where you can take control of a young investigator, Casey, who will meet various characters on a flying ship that serves as a hospital. Very great thing. Um, Idol Manager. Uh, not much about it, but that's coming on August twenty fifth. Uh, it's kind of like what you're managing. Uh, uh. Uh, idol. Um, there are games that's planned for the summer. Silt, which looks really good. Everything is hand drawn uh, in a monochrome way. Really, really good. That's coming this June. Uh, Corey, you mentioned Ooblets. Um, This game has been on Windows and Xbox One, uh, but now I think the full version is coming out uh, this year. Um, Elect Head uh, is a, a game where you kind of like touch stuff to keep the electricity on um but when you throw there's gonna be points where you need to throw your head to connect to make that other side uh through the electricity and you only got 10 seconds to get it it's a puzzle platformer it looks really cool i'm excited to see it um totally accurate battle simulator tabs is a physics-based battle simulation game uh we are ofk is a music interactive narrative um i know they showed this at playstation state of play um so i wonder is it now just like because the game isn't out yet or anything so i wonder is it just hitting different platforms all at the same time um Curse of Golf is a golf game. Uh, One Shot World Machine Edition is a top-down surreal adventure puzzle game uh, where you play as a child who must restore a long dead son in a mysterious world. I've never heard of this. Um, so I'm assuming that it's been an earlier version that came out, but just never heard of it. Um, games planned for the fall. Batura Lost Haven is an action RPG. Guidebook of Babel. Um... And then there's some games for the future. Wild Frost, Gumbrella. Gumbre- I love the name Gumbrella. Uh, and this is the from the makers of Gato Roboto, uh, like me- black and white uh, Metroid game. Very fun game. Uh, brings us Gumbrella, a Nora punk action adventure where you'll shoot and block with your Gumbrella while on your journey of revenge. And this is planned for 2023. Court of the Lamb, uh, another crap's treasure. It's kind of a... Souls like, well, 
a shell-like action game that you take control of a crab and you must find the right shell to help you battle other aquatic enemies. Um, you'll battle opponents and take their shells to become stronger. Like they say, another crab's trash is another crab's treasure. And this is planned for 2023. And they ended the show with Card Shark. Um, so, uh, and it has over 20 games. Uh, so you guys could watch it if you like. Like I said, go to bossrush.net uh, and you guys can check out the indie showcase and their trailers and read more about them. Yes. So, yes. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. A lot of people were kind of disappointed in this one. Well, I just um, I just think there's a lot of uh indie games that are kind of high profile that we didn't see and a lot of people mm-hmm. are expecting them right or even like a like a you know a, a almost like a tunic release date or something right like i mean i yes. know tunic is like it has a xbox kind of exclusivity deal but those only last about three to six months right and so yes i uh you know i like i was i i'm really shocked we didn't see sea of stars there or silk song or you know, something else. Well, I, I think it's the developers just, I know it's not, it's probably Nintendo not asking them or anything. And those developers are probably just like, well, we really don't have nothing ready to put together to show you guys. So we were going to pass and maybe later on in the year when it's time to update and show everybody, we'll go from there and show it because um, team cherry you know, they did that with Hollow with Hollow Knight. They took for it took a long time. They kept delaying the game um, before a switch. So if they're not talking, um, they're probably hopefully they'll be talking later on this year. Um, and because and they're a small team, and I think that's the one thing about it is that when these indie games come from a small team, uh, I think they're just excited to be in an indie showcase because they know that it's going to get people talking and or at least interest in it and stuff. And then when new more information gets ready to release, they'll be able to put it out and go talk and talk about it. So I think it's just. It, it may be this one probably people didn't enjoy it because they didn't it didn't meet their expectations. But I think for the developers and everything, I'm happy to see the games that they brought in. Um, I, there's a lot that I'm looking forward to pick up and play. It's something. So we're going to get into Docmo, everybody. Uh, normally, Elite Black Agents, we would get ready for E3 and predict announcements for the showcase. Since word of a Nintendo showcase hasn't been announced yet, I thought we would have an open conversation about Nintendo's impact at E3, past and present, a little history of Nintendo's space world, and if trade shows for Nintendo are is great for business. You ready, Elite Black Agents? Let's go! Well, it's just actually me and Corey. <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of wanted to ask you, Corey, like from past E3s, um, hearing about Nintendo or watching about Nintendo, like how impactful have they been for E3? How impactful have Nintendo ha- been? Has Nintendo been? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, if you want to go the other way, they've been pretty impactful on taking it down because of Nintendo Directs, right? I mean, Nintendo has... They kind of started the the digital delivery 
like the mm-hmm. direct de- delivery system, right? Where the Nintendo Directs aren't presentations anymore. And I think they started that because of the, not just the Nintendo Land stuff, but like when they revealed the Wii U, they had that big Nintendo Land set, right? And like they promoted Nintendo Land and they were showing it off and everything. And it was like, well, that's so much money going into this set to like, it's, it's really a lot cheaper for them to just make a YouTube presentation. Plus you get it direct to your fans. There's no chance of uh, script slip ups. There's no chance of games kind of, you know, like the, I think another reason was remember when uh, Miyamoto went out there for Skyward Sword and he was using the Wii remote and it wasn't Mm -hmm. working correctly because they didn't account for all the stage lighting and photography and everything. And it really messed up the demo. Yes. Those are the things that I think about when Nintendo started Nintendo direct. And it's like, they, they now have a very nice curated system of how they deliver the products to fans. And there's, that everybody's always looking forward to the next Nintendo Direct. Everybody's always like, what's the one more thing? What's the big announcement? What games are going to be here? And there's all these crazy predictions on the internet, and 90% of them don't come true. And, you know, it's it's a big deal. And I think they've really impacted E3 that way to the point where, like, Sony doesn't even show up anymore, right? They do their state of play the week before. Microsoft doesn't really show up either right they have their booth on the floor to show off their games but their presentation technically is not part of e3 it's at the it's at their it's at the microsoft theater right the Mm -hmm. weekend before it starts so i'd say they've had a pretty big impact in taking out e3 uh to be honest with you now granted they still have like their treehouse stuff on the show floor which i think they still want to have a presence at e3 because yes uh, strategically, I think it makes sense to at least be there and they have Treehouse showing off demos and they have their booth to show off games and stuff. But, like, I th- I think Nintendo is kind of really thinking strategically and doing it this way has really benefited them. Now, granted, no E3 this year, but they can still do Treehouse from, you know, Seattle or redmond or wherever they're located now which, right i mean which like i think they plan on doing yeah i know they, but I, i'm saying like they can still do that it's not like treehouse is so dependent on e3 it's just a nice mm-hmm. thing to have at e3 and so you know i i think i think that e3 is nintendo has impacted e3 so much by i think being there and having great presentations because you know Instead of going to CES and Space World, they had this new platform where everybody was paying attention. Yes. But now in the internet age, they don't need to sell their product to stores anymore, right? This isn't the place to sell stores on the product. They have those private meetings, and they can do that through Zoom calls and stuff now to the point where, like, this is just to hype fans up now, and they don't need E3 for that. Well, I think for the impact-wise, I think... I really think that Nintendo was the reason that a lot of people were going to E3. Um, and, and yes, Microsoft and Sony, of course. But it was always the question of what was Nintendo going to bring? 
And they were going but to bring. Was it that way though? I don't think it was that. It was definitely not that way when the Wii U showed up, right? People were I, so. I, people. I think. I think I'm, I'm I going think... more for the past than what the modern version is because, like, you couldn't get you really, you really couldn't get into Space World. You really didn't have any kind of notice or anything. But when well, you it was also before the... before YouTube existed. Like, yeah. there was no way to even watch Space World unless you, like, downloaded a, you know, 320p kind of pixelated video that took four days because you were on dial-up from, yeah. you know, GameSpot or whatever, right? I mean, there there was no way to watch these things. And yeah, I think that, you know, in the GameCube era, Nintendo, Nintendo had a huge impact on e3 especially like in the gamecube era right they that first year after space world they showed off the the gamecube demo with the mario 128 which eventually became pikmin they showed off that really great zelda demo that we never got and i know a lot of people said well that's just twilight princess i was like no it's not that was clearly an ocarina of time art style that they were yeah. planning on in the next zelda uh, they showed off Luigi's Mansion. They showed off Metro. They showed off Metroid in that demo, right? They showed off all these great games, and then in two thousand and three, when Reggie gave that awesome speech of, you know, I'm Reggie, and I'm about kicking ass and taking names, and we're about making making games, right? That is so such an iconic moment. Yeah. And, uh, and then when Twilight Princess was revealed, and people started cr- literally crying. Because this was the Zelda everybody wanted, was this dark, kind of eerie, gloomy Zelda game. This was the game we wanted that, you know, Wind Waker wasn't. Everybody everybody hated Wind Waker when it came out. Everybody hated the way it looked. I'm sorry, everybody who loves Wind Waker. Everybody hated it. And Twilight Princess was the saving grace of Zelda because it was the game we wanted. And so... You know, and then when the extra games came out, it became the reverse for some people. I mean, I get it. Like Wind Waker aged better. I think the art style. I think a lot of people grew to appreciate the art style more. Uh, and all in all, maybe a little bit better game in terms of you know streamlining stuff. And uh, you know, I I think Twilight Princess has the best Zelda dungeons of any Zelda game. But the stuff in between the Zeldas was such filler. Right, it was it was mm-hmm. almost annoying some of the stuff that you had to do between the dungeons, uh, and I think Wind Waker kind of alleviated all that. Mm. But uh, still, two of the best Zelda games out there. Well, uh, well, when it comes to Nintendo's impact for E three, like even before like the streaming and the video stuff, like when you when people were getting magazines like EGM and Game Informer and Game Pro. People will always go to the Nintendo first, uh, Nintendo section first before they went through everything else. And regardless of how it was graded or anything, people were were they wanted to know what did Nintendo show? Was to talk about this because mm-hmm. yes, when Microsoft and Sony came along and started doing their things, yeah, they had the big 
you know, triple A games coming to their mm-hmm. systems. You know, they yeah. had some they had some good first party, but you weren't flipping through magazines or trying to check news for any of those because it was just like what did Nintendo show? Now it was always a up and down with Nintendo. There'll be a good year, there'll be a year that games weren't for people, so they consider it as a bad year. But but a lot of people weren't rushing to E3 for a lot of the other stuff besides Nintendo, and I think it's because well, of... I don't, I don't think that's true. I think the PlayStation Two was super dominant. Everybody wanted to see Metal Gear Solid. Everybody wanted to mm-hmm. see uh, Final Fantasy X, and everybody wanted to see God of War and Twisted Metal. Like there was a lot PlayStation fans could grab onto. Xbox, like during, especially during the GameCube, PlayStation Two, Xbox era, like mm-hmm. Xbox was still trying to you know find their way find their way and obviously everybody just wanted halo right i mean after after combat evolve came out everybody just wanted halo 2 and you know there if you guys haven't watched the xbox documentary on xbox's youtube channel like it's a really great documentary and you should go watch it if you're interested in uh the early xbox days it's i i love that documentary i'm not like the biggest xbox fan but i love that documentary it's so well done I mean, the last episode is just a big marketing pitch for the 20th anniversary and Series X and stuff. But, like, the first five episodes are amazing. And they go into, like, the Red Ring of Death and the failures of the Xbox One and how Connect kind of almost put X- the Xbox brand out of Microsoft's business plan, right? And how yeah. Phil came back in and kind of gave them a new vision and whatever. Uh, I mean, we can talk about all that on, on something else, but, like, I think that PlayStation was so dominant and they had so many great kind of IP to show off that it kind of backed Nintendo into a corner. And I still think that Nintendo has never really been more creative than they were with the GameCube going into the Wii era, right? Like Mm -hmm. turning Metroid into a first-person action game, right? Like that was... So many people hated that idea. Remember how many people hated the idea of a first-person shooter Metroid? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. because you know, uh, uh, Xbox had Halo, and PlayStation was promoting Killzone at the same time, and turning Metroid into a first-person game, nobody wanted that. And guess what? Metroid Prime is still one of the best games on the GameCube, and uh, we're getting Metroid Prime 4 at some point, right? So... Obviously, yes. that was a great move. Luigi's Mansion was a really interesting idea. Melee is still considered the best fighting, the best Smash. Uh, Pikmin is an interesting idea. Like, there's so many creative ideas that came out of that era, and moving into the Wii era, right? Which I know a lot of people love the Wii, but uh, Wii Sports dominated the conversation, right? That was such a mm-hmm. simple yet creative thing to do. Uh, I I just, I just think PlayStation was so dominant in that era that like Nintendo needed to show what they could do and it's kind of shocking to see how little the GameCube sold to be honest with you. I mean, I know like the Nintendo 64 was smoked by the PlayStation uh which I growing up I had no interest in PlayStation whatsoever. I mean, I really kind of 
I hate to say that I still don't, but like, I still don't really care all that much about the PlayStation ecosystem. Uh, but like, I was actually surprised when I heard the PlayStation outsold the Nintendo 64 because all my friends, yeah. all my friends had a Nintendo 64, <clears throat> had a Nintendo 64. Nobody I knew had a PlayStation. Literally nobody I knew had a PlayStation. Uh, and so, like, I when the PlayStation 2 came out, my friend got a PlayStation 2, and I bought it because Madden looked awesome. <laughs> like, that's why I bought it. I didn't buy yeah. it for, you know, God of War or Jack and Daxter or Ratchet and Clank or, uh, you know, Fantavision or whatever else was that. that oh, that goodness, that gay. Uh, I bought it for... I bought it for Madden and NBA Live and NCAA football, and I bought the bouncer on a whim, right? Mm-hmm. And I bought it for Final Fantasy X. That's why I bought a PlayStation, you know? And it's still, like, to this day, the games that I'm still the most interested in on PlayStation are Final Fantasy XVI and Forspoken and uh you know i'm slightly more interested in the final fantasy 7 remake than i was just because i think it looks like it plays awesome uh but like my my point is is like i i think that nintendo in terms of first party is still dominating the conversation because they aren't afraid to experiment with the styles of their franchises. And you know, I we just that... had a, we just had a big conversation about breath of the wild and how it changed the way everybody thought of Zelda, you know? And I think, I think Nintendo tries to cater to everybody. And I think that when you go into E3, when you feel like you're a hardcore gamer or, you know, you're, you just, you put yourself in some kind of, you know, name that you want to put it, whatever you put. I think when you look at Nintendo, you'd be like, okay, none of this is for me. All of this is for kids and that, that, this, but it always, it, it surprises me that even, even in the past, whether you liked it or not, those games at E3 still get talked about. Those moments, the present moments now, definitely with E3, with Nintendo definitely get talked about and everything. So I think the impact, like, the, I think the last big impact that Sony has, and this is not the shade to Sony or anything, I think the last impact that Sony had was showing Final Fantasy Remake, was showing, um, getting the Kickstarter for Shimu 3, because people reacted to that. Their past E3s, people were making fun of them because of the crab fight in uh, one of their games. You know, people were making fun of Daytona USA. Uh, oh, no, Rich Racer and stuff. Yes, people. Don't, I'm not saying that Nintendo wasn't made fun of because of, you know, Wii Music and stuff. People were making fun of mm-hmm. and everything. Like, I, I think it's just like when you think of moments of E3 and just its impact, Nintendo has always brought something different and very creative that that would keep you on your toes. I think that's why they kind of be been impactful is to keep people on the toes on what what are you going to bring, whether I like it or not. I love this guessing game that you're going to be bringing, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what. Uh, we kind of expect from Nintendo, um, you yeah. know. No, I I I agree with you. I I think I think Nintendo part of their charm is that like 
a lot of their games do appeal to everybody. And then a lot of them are easy to get into, but hard to master, right? Like I've been Mm -hmm. talking about how I've been playing Super Mario 3D World. And yeah, that game, if you just want to complete all the levels and get to the flag, like that game is easy, right? Or Well, not easy, but you know what I mean? Like it's easy, but you want to collect all the stamps and all the stars and stuff. That game gets really hard, you know, especially on Champions Road. Like Champions Road is just disgustingly difficult and you know you you go into breath of the wild and like yeah you can run around and do stuff people can go in and kind of explore and do what they want but like to really master that game and to into kind of 100 percent that game you know you really have to know what you're doing and kind of experiment with the elements and do all these things to get all the shrines and to find all the korok seeds and to uh, defeat the divine beasts in specific ways and you know that's 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 some challenge you know and and mm-hmm. i think nintendo even though like their storytelling uh isn't exactly up to par with someone like some of sony's first party or uh you know graphically their games aren't as impressive as something that microsoft can put out but like gameplay trumps all for me at least. Right. And I think mm-hmm. for a lot of gamers, if the game doesn't play well, you're not going to stick with it. And yeah. Nintendo knows how to make a great game that is creative and intelligently designed. Right. I mean, you talk about breath of the wild, like you, anywhere you go in that game, you're going to find something. Yes. It doesn't matter. You can pick up a rock. You'll find something. You can go to a mountain that looks like it's in the middle of nowhere and you'll find something. Uh, Everything is done purposefully, whether it's fans like it or not. That's a different story. But everything in almost all of Nintendo's major games is done purposefully. And they're always going to be that way. They're always going to march to the beat of their own drum. And I think that's why Nintendo still stands the test of time. And I think that's honestly where, you know, someone like Sega as much as we love talking about Sega failed is like some of their games just didn't hold up the way that Nintendo games do. Right. Even on the dreamcast, Mm -hmm. you look at something like Shenmue where people swear they love, and then Shenmue three comes out and tanks, right. Or Sonic, right. Sonic adventure is everybody swears that game's a great 3d platformer. Have you played it lately? It's not great. (laughs) Sorry guys. It's not, uh, as much as I loved Sonic Adventure when I got my Dreamcast, it's not it's not great to go back to. So, I mean, you can easily go back to Mario 64 and play it and have a great time, right? Yeah. Granted, not as, not as polished as something like Galaxy or Odyssey or 3D World, but, like, you can still play it and say, this game, especially for the time, was super polished, or Ocarina of Time. I, I heard two kids today... Mm-hmm. We, I took my daughter to the playground, and I heard two kids today talking about Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on the Switch, right? And it was just amazing in 2022, these two, like, eight- or nine-year-olds are sitting there talking about how you have to throw bombs at King Dodongo in Death Mountain, <laughs> and, you know, how just ageless these games tend to be and sometimes i think it's super fans and people who look at the news every day and look at sites like game informer and nintendo life and ign every day it's just like 
I think we lose sight of how impactful these games are in different ways to different people and how ageless these games seem to be, you know, and it's Nintendo is special and they've, they've, they've kind of reinvented this industry so many times. They've even going back to our E3 discussion, right? They've reinvented how, we expect video games to be delivered to us and they will continue to do that as long as they are around i think it's it's that nintendo doesn't focus on the flashy they don't focus on all the cutscenes and then go quiet i mean yeah. i wish they did sometimes right <laughs> i mean it, there are times that they'll show something off and go quiet and go Get, go dark because like and they already said that we do it because we just want to let you guys know that we're just doing the announcement no work has been done or we're in pre-planning stages and when it's ready we'll show you and stuff and that that happens for you know microsoft and sony and other third party we could understand that um but when there's just so much cutscenes showcasing and every time a trailer or that game gets revealed and a microsoft or sony people start getting very doubtful and i think with nintendo you know they're they know you cannot be cutscene heavy we have come to an expectation that you are going to show some gameplay that's going to excite us or that's going to make you be like oh so you guys been doing that i wonder how that's going to work you know um, and I'm not trying to knock Sony, like I said, I'm not trying to knock Sony or Microsoft because I think it's it's interesting. And probably by the time you guys see this, I did a brush rub better saying that should you go revisit past E3s? And I feel like you should. You should really go look at some of the early E3s that you could find and just see the evolution of these press conferences and seeing what they showcase until the game eventually came out. You would literally be shocked. You know how people responded when it was announced, and then see the responses how when that game actually came out and stuff. And there's just something about when Nintendo has done their games. Um, like I said, whether it's been good or bad, you gotta be shocked. And be like, well, they did somewhat stay true to what they showed us, and surprisingly, it's better than what they showed us for some games. Yeah, I just you know. I, st- I would still love to see a Zelda game at the quality and the uh, graphical and storytelling prowess of a Horizon game. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. But uh, I think Nintendo has taught us to kind of have certain expectations. And, you know, a lot of the times it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of the times it mm-hmm. works in it really benefits, you know, them as a company. Yes. Well, we're going to quickly talk a little bit about the history of Nintendo Space World. Whoa. Um, Nintendo... Sorry, I was just being excited. Was that not exciting? <laughs> was that not? <laughs> that was concerning. <laughs> <laughs> just the way that you said it. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Uh, Nintendo Space World, formerly, known, formerly named Shoshinaki, uh, and Femcon Space World was an annual video game trade show hosted by Nintendo from 1989 to 2001. Its three days of high-energy party atmosphere was a primary venue for Nintendo and its licensees to announce and demonstrate new consoles and games. 
Anticipated and dissected each year with hype and exclusivity, it was a destination for the international video game press with detailed developer interviews and technology demos. The event served as the launch of marketing flashpoints of countless major industry pro uh, products, especially Nintendo's flagship platforms and video games. The show launched the Super Famicom, GameCube, Game Boy Advance, Nintendo 64, 64DD, and all the core games for the Super Mario, The Legend of Zelda, and Pokemon franchises. Some major exhibitions would be teased and then never be seen again, leaving fans impressed to maintain hype and inquiry for years as with the Super Mario 128 demo, the controversial Wind Waker teaser video, Earthbound 64, and a litany of lost 64DD games. Um, and it was normally held in Japan. Uh, the location was Kyoto, Japan, Makahari, Masai, Chibi, and, you know, once again, Japan. Uh, so, uh, and then there's like a rundown for some of the years that these games were show. Like I remember Space World because once again, reading it on e in EGM, that was the way that I came to learn about it. Um, and it was kind of in the contrast because of the Tokyo Game Show. As much as that started, Nintendo really wasn't at the Tokyo Game Show. So that's what they did in Nintendo Space World. Yes. <laughs> Space World. Yes. What a uh, so, what a Hmm. Go ahead. Just the name Space World does not sound like something Nintendo would be putting on. I'm sorry. Just like, oh my gosh, why? <laughs> Whatever, it's fine. Uh well our last part of the conversation, uh the trade shows for Nintendo is is great business. Um, you know, we kind of seen them at PAX. Um we kind of see them um definitely at E three. And uh, at a point of time, they were at Evo doing because of Smash Brothers, um, but they weren't really anywhere else. But like when they were at a trade show, you know, they were kind of like not saying the focus, but people were checking out their games and news that they had. Um, but I kind of want to ask you, Corey, do you think that Nintendo should get into more trade shows or anything? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, not in like a big way. I mean, I I, I think their booth at PAX is really a, a great thing to have. I think uh, their E3 presence has been what it needs to be. But I don't think, I think trade shows are more just, they're just big fan things now. They're not necessarily what they were made for in the 90s or 80s. You know, they're... Mm -hmm there's shows that f they get to show things off to fans because these other conversations happen in boardrooms and zoom meetings and stuff. And I just, I don't think, I think Nintendo's doing exactly what they need to do right now. And I hope that, you know, they continue to go to PAX and stuff because their booth is always really cool. Uh, continue yes. to go to PAX, continue to, do Treehouse, whether it's for E3 or Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, or I can't say what I like to call it on the show. But, uh, you know, I I think Nintendo's doing what they can and what they should be doing, and I don't think they need to get more involved with anything else. I really don't. Okay. 
Well, everybody, uh, that's going to be it for Doc Mode. <laughs> We're going to get into Play With Power. The last thing uh, before we get to play with power, I will say this: I can't wait for this year's showcase because I want to see uh, what they show and finally get some uh, uh, some dates. Because <laughs> you know, Corey, we're going to be like, okay, now we can fill out what the rest of the year is going to bring. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to try to work from home that day, but I might try to work from home that day. I think I'm going to take a a payday off for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So you, so you might get a text to be like, uh, yeah. are you on lunch? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think if I don't have anything going on that day, I will probably work from home that day. Okay. And I will, um, take the day off. I'm just going to be like, look, just put my vacation on it. Find someone who will work. I, I, I've been everywhere over yonder. You could bring someone from another store and <laughs> give me the day off. <laughs> I need to see my Nancy. Dude, I'm trying to uh, should I'm hopefully I could get that Sunday off to stop, watch the Microsoft show. Um but I gotta see um how that goes. Yeah. I wish Nintendo would go on the weekend. Like That'd be interesting. That's just like Tuesday at at noon is such a random time. I just want to, you know, what I mean? it's just like, hmm. come on. But Tuesdays be Tuesdays just like that terrible Tuesday. Like you just be like, ugh, something's not yeah. right about today. And somehow Nintendo makes it better. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, but yeah, playing with power. <laughs> Corey, what have you been playing with power? Uh, well, I've I've been continuing my trek with Super Mario 3D World. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Uh, I also have tried to play Assassin's Creed 2 on the Switch and is not... I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm playing Odyssey at the same time. It's so hard to go back and forth. (laughs) Uh, But I think I'm going to maybe not do that. So uh, I did, however, play a little bit of Fortnite. I got a couple of the skins that were for sale a couple weeks ago, uh, the Star Wars ones and uh, the the Scarlet Witch one from the new Doctor Strange movie. I got, and then I got the the Xbox ones, like the the Halo and the Gears ones that were also on sale. Uh, so I played a little bit of that. I played the no build mode, and it's definitely way better than the regular mode, but. Other than that, I mean, I've been kind of getting back into Assassin's Creed Odyssey really heavily, uh, and it's just, it's really scratching that itch of Breath of the Wild, even though, like, I kind of want to replay Breath of the Wild, I don't because I have so many things in that game that I've done that I don't want to erase, <laughs> like the, uh, you know, 900 Korok seeds it took me forever to find. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is literally the only thing that's keeping me from replaying that game, I think, at this point. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm still, like, looking for my next game that I really want to sink my teeth into. And Odyssey is kind of that game that's kind of filling that gap for now, I guess. Uh, also playing Destiny, but I always play Destiny. So, uh, But I did add, get Nintendo 64 controller. So, 
I actually think my next game is going to be Nintendo 64 related. Specifically, maybe Ocarina of Time. Because I haven't played a significant amount of Ocarina of Time since the N64. I just haven't played it. And so I think I think I'm going to I think I'm going to. I I think I'm going to play it. No, what is should I play it? I'm really excited for this stupid Nintendo 64 controller though. <laughs> but I mean that's the reason why I've been holding off on so many Nintendo 64 games because I want to play it with the controller. I I you know when the Mario 3D All-Star Collection came out Mm-hmm. Playing Mario 64 with a Switch Pro controller was so foreign to me that I was like, "What? I don't understand why this camera doesn't move the way I want it to." And it's because the stick is not a great C button replacement. It's just not. It's terrible, right? And so I have a lot of complaints about playing games with the Switch Pro controller that weren't made for Switch. Uh huh. Specifically. NES games, you need those controllers to make them feel good. And that's something that is a great thing for Nintendo to have, and it is a terrible thing for Nintendo to have. Which is weird for me because I could play it with ease. And I, I wonder is it because I've been playing those games because you're a weirdo, as a Ed. kid. How am I a weirdo? I have t- I have too. I've been playing Mario I've been playing NES Mario games since I was like three or four. I'm saying mm-hmm. like they just don't feel right without With- the NES controller. Or like the uh, I'm so excited that I have the Genesis and Super Nintendo controllers when that mm-hmm. stupid Ninja Turtles collection comes out because they won't feel right unless I'm playing with those controllers. They won't. And you know I'm right, Ed. You know that Nintendo game, you know that NES games and Nintendo 64 games specifically do not feel right without those controllers. Maybe because I'm quickly able to adjust to it. No, you know, you're just weird. No, they don't <laughs> feel right. Playing, playing Super Mario, th- playing Mario 3 with my thumb angled down like this on the face buttons, Ed, does not feel right because. Uh, the sprint button is the A button, and the jump button is the B button, and I you have to hold your thumb angled like this. It is not, this is not the way to play Mario Three, okay? You play it like this, okay? Your thumb is always on the sprint button, and then you just tap down to jump, okay? Mm-hmm. Come on, just agree with me on something for once, please. <laughs> I don't know if I can agree with you oh. on this one. <laughs> Ed, what are you playing? I. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, what a night this episode is going to be. Uh, it's I'm like playing... three hours long, by the way. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Hope everybody's ready to strap in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been playing Grace for Explosion Machine. Oh, I, I'm, I'm back into that game. I, I literally never do. Every, I think since that, I think because it, it reset it itself, and I got to start over. Just. Do the bad part about it is that I've been playing it without no sound, and you know I haven't been cutting on my Bluetooth headset to hear it or anything. Uh, but I'm, I may have to change that. Um, 
I picked up Nexoma. It's like the Pokemon ripoff, mm-hmm. like indie gay. Not not bad. So it's, it's a nice gay. Uh, played the takeover a little bit. I'm gonna think I'm gonna finish this gay. It's a beat 'em up gay, um, and everything. Uh, kind of it keeps reminding me of Pit Fighter, in a sense, but with better graphics. Um, so I gotta finish that. Do Tetris Effect connected? Mm-hmm. I played that m- man. So I've I've like at level eight, mm-hmm. um, and I've been just you know, uh, been, of course playing it with my headset. Dude, why the sound? I mean, I talked about the soundtrack banging, but man, I I'm like I need to beat this game to see if they're gonna give me all the music, because I do. So there's uh there's one of them where um I guess the people are like praying and everything to the Tetris blocks and when it gets bigger they all it's like a whole crowd dancing and everything and the track is begging like I didn't really pay attention to to be like oh oh when you progress th- in the level everything the background changes the music gets faster and it's just like ah okay now i know now i get it now i just like okay because i'm just like i I, i'm trying to mesh the music but make the tetris blocks and get like a tetris or get a line here and there and it's just like am i still missing something but I, i i don't i really don't know because it's just like what how do you are you supposed to be on beat for some of this and it feels like I'm off beat but yet I'm making the line because it's all about getting 30 and then when you get your 30 lines you get to you it slows down and you go to the next level mm-hmm. it is so it's so weird but I'm just like I I will finish like whatever that next session is. I will do my best to go all three sessions because I haven't, I haven't lost yet. I, I I'm just like I I've got it to where I'm at the top, um. Uh, but I just like I make my way down and didn't realize that oh no I gotta put the game into effect mode so I could stop and place pieces. So when it gets back to normal time, bam. I, I got my lines and stuff going down and I can get back into it. So yeah, Tetris Effect con Tetris Effect connected dude. It's I it's addictive. It's so good. It is um, it's it's I my only the only issue I have with Tetris Effect is that when I'm playing in handheld mode I can't see the blocks sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they're so small, plus, like, they kind of blend in with the background and the blocks aren't solid like yeah. in other Tetris games. That's the only thing about Tetris Effect that I don't care for, but I can get over it if I just squint. You know what I mean? Like, it's. Some of the levels, uh, some of the levels got me concerned because I, I think they were too white or too light and I couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. Like, what in the huh? And yeah. I'm playing on my big screen. I'm just like, I think the coloring is sometimes off. That gets you like kind of confused and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, for some reason, I think this game I wouldn't be able to play. I could play on the OLED. That's what I, I'm actually playing it on. But I have a feeling that I'm like, 
yeah, I don't think I can play this game portable because if I if I'm having trouble seeing some of the blocks or some of the levels, I would rather that if I'm playing it, if I'm taking this game on the go, I'd rather have it where I could see some solid colors, or I'd rather just listen to the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I did pick up uh Yuba Den Chronicle Rising for Switch, um, but I haven't started it yet. I just picked it up. Um, so th- that's pretty much what I've been playing with power. Um, I know everybody's getting into their backlogs. I need to start Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2 because, like, everybody's just finishing that game and making progress. And I started those games, definitely Xenoblade, Xenoblade Definitive Edition. I started it, but I haven't progressed further into that game, and I need to. Yeah. Uh, I- I just, uh, I don't know, for some reason, I it, I was really enjoying it for about the first 10 hours or so, mm-hmm. and then it just, like, for some reason, it just wasn't grabbing me anymore, and I want to get back to it. It just was like, man, I don't, I don't know why it wasn't grabbing me, you know? So. Yeah, so... But everybody, that's going to be it for Nintendo Power Block. Corey, where can we find you? Because I know it's late. <laughs> oh, uh, you can find me at I am Corey HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me hosting the Bossers podcast uh, on Expansion Pass, which we don't promote enough on this show, uh, which is our supplemental show uh, that you can find on Sundays on this feed and on YouTube and on Patreon. Uh, and Standard Definition. Yes, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at that retro code, and on Instagram at uh, that retro code. Um, you can find me more on Nintendo Power Block that we do normally on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, check me on Expression Pass and other podcasts. As uh, we want you guys to join us on Discord, I kind of want to let you know um, how you revisit some of Nintendo's E3s or you know talk about the impact. Uh, we really want to know. Uh, you can hit us up there, um, and you know, follow us at Power Block Podcast on Twitter. Um, but then, everybody, we will talk to you next time. Have a great week, have a great weekend. Thank you, Corey, for joining me for this wild ride of Power Block. Uh, we will be back on regular schedule, energized, and ready to go with the career, everybody, next time. Uh, with that, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time on Nintendo Power Block. Bye, everybody. Woo-hoo. Goodbye, everybody.